Good day, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I am Poonam Dungarwal, founder and host of Supply Chain Spot, a podcast that features thought leaders and industry experts from the supply chain industry. I'm very thankful to all of our listeners for your likes, love, and support. Our first episode got lots of support from all of you viewers. I'm super excited to tell you that we are now available on podcast channels like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Alexa, Ola Play, Wink, and Geo7. So collaboration is a new way to go ahead, and we are going ahead with you guys. Supply Chain Spot is being sponsored by ExportMine, a global trade data company. Today, we have a very special guest. He is someone I know I admire and respect greatly for his personal grit and exemplary track record. I've known him for over three years, and I can personally attest to the wonderful work ethic he possesses and continues to display. There's definitely something to take away from Vishal today. Vishal is a senior director of iMark Company, a company that works globally to transform businesses by providing innovative intelligence and strategic insights. They have developed specifically tailored tools which position their client and partners to be industry forerunners and ensure that they have all they need to take smarter decisions and remain ahead of the market curve. Vishal, welcome to Supply Chain Podcast. Uh, I have known for you uh, for quite a long time Please tell our listeners something about you. Thank you so much, Poonam. And even I didn't know so much about myself the way you described me. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, so uh, if if I say I'm basically an MBA from the Faculty of Management Studies, University of Delhi, and I've been a part of IMR for about 10 years now. I was in sales before this, uh, handling sales for a company uh, called Diversity across India. And that is when I used to actually come across a lot of customers uh, who would, being in sales, would face a lot of supply chain disruptions, uh, transport a strike. Uh, it could be something like, uh, for example, I don't know if you're much aware of, uh, you are almost a North Indian. So we have these Kavar Yatras, if you know, in the North, when the entire route between Haridwar and Delhi gets shut off. So I always used to face those challenges and you'll have customers really reaching out to you and saying that, boss, where is my product? Why has it not reached? And I would literally pick up cans from my warehouse, put it in uh, my car and try and navigate my way across. So of course, I came across that. And that is when uh, we also thought that why not see on how we could possibly meet up to these challenges, especially challenges that come across in terms of uh, supply chain. And that's when we side off with IMAC. IMAC, which was predominantly a market research company. And then we also tried to get ourselves in the procurement space. Now we work with uh, all, almost all the Fortune 500 companies, giving them insights on procurement or even market insights as such. We have developed tools like you rightly pointed out. And uh, there are tools which help our customers forecast on supply demand shortages, forecast on what will actually happen in the future in terms of prices and basically plan better. Got it, got it. So we really appreciate you, you know, uh, of your journey that how iMark started and how you have been serving the industry. So I believe our viewers, yours will be taking so much from you because you have a stellar career with over 19 years in your industry and you have continuously made a significant impact in the various businesses and sectors you've been involved with. 
So being a strategy specialist, can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to design the forecast efficiently and take the right decisions? And how can one be sure that they have taken the right decisions? Absolutely. So uh, forecast is it's like, it's like uh, to believe it or not to believe it. Right. So you have fortune tellers the moment they see you at the palm of your hand and they tell you how your future will be. So we call ourselves fortune tellers, but then we are more scientific compared to that. So we don't look at the uh, horoscopes and say, oh, there's going to be a supply chain disruption coming up. So we, we actually need to get a lot of insights to uh, do a market research forecast. Uh, insights like how the market would behave. Now, if we are looking at, say, um, uh, the car industry, right? So we would need to understand exactly how the steel or the metal industry would behave. If you're looking at, let's say, uh, the detergent industry, we would need to understand how the uh, uh, the raw materials that go in, sodium sulfate, soda ash, how that would behave. So you, uh, so in order to make any forecast, you'd, and then when you're looking at, let's say, so, uh, detergents also. So apart from soda ash and sodium sulfate, something totally unrelated, which could be crude oil. So crude oil is actually a raw material, which is a raw material of almost everything that we use. So you basically need to have a clear understanding of the market on how things would be, collect a lot of data. Uh, you, Poonam, for example, uh, mm -hmm. one of the key sponsors of this program is ExportMind, right? So ExportMind would also give out a lot of data in terms of what has been happening historically. So we would look at all those historical data uh, in terms of all the raw materials, all the key ingredients, everything that's coming in. There are very simple uh, tools, statistical tools that we use. It could be a straight line forecast, or we could do a moving average forecast, or we could do a, a linear regression uh, uh, or a simple regression in order to come at a forecast on how the prices will move forward. But these always need to be also corrected manually. So we could possibly say that, okay, the market has been uh, moving at 5%. The demand has been going up by 5% year on year. But all of a sudden, we see that, okay, there is going to be a new application that will be developed in the market, or there's a new technology that is coming in, which could possibly, for example, when you had uh, lithium batteries come up, right? So nobody knew 10 years ago, or possibly 15 years ago, that we will have a spurt of electric cars, electric scooters coming in 2020 in India or 2021 in India. So they would, so if you do a straight line forecast, it would be moving at a 5%, but all of a sudden you have these new uh, electric vehicles coming up and the increase, the demand would have gone up by 500%. So you need to correct those statistical forecasts also manually to see uh, different things that will happen in the market. And even if it's a supply demand, possibly something like uh, you had COVID, right? You have the China policies which keep coming in towards the end, uh, towards the end of the year every time when all plants are shut down. We saw increase in steel prices a couple of months back. It's stabilizing now, but that was because the world's largest steel producer had shut down plants. So these are things which will not come in mathematically. Mathematically, you will actually need to collect a lot of information from the market and correct it manually. Got it. Got it. I mean, thanks for that. So. Uh... I mean, you you have rightly said that, you know, a lot of times uh, the implementation of technology keeps on changing and we have to make ourselves go ahead and, uh, you know, equip ourselves to the demands that's there in the supply, uh, in the industry, not exactly supply chain, but in the industry. 
so often times companies that are already established may have more advanced tools like you said so that may put them ahead and make the decision making process a lit- little bit less challenging so you have worked with fortune 500 companies and you have some experience with startups as well so can you understand the differences in the decision making processes across larger organizations and smaller organizations and what smaller companies can do that will enable them to make better decisions when it comes to areas like supply chain management right so uh, being a smaller company you have advantages and as as well as disadvantages and being a larger company again the advantages and disadvantages so if if you're a larger company there are multiple tools available larger mm-hmm. companies can afford people like us to come in and give them insights or they have deep pockets to uh, really go in for a lot of data now and for a smaller company obviously those things are not available but they are flexible they have that flexibility always uh, with them a larger company would be very particular that this is the specification that we have to go with i'm not saying that the smaller companies will compromise on that but mm-hmm. the decision making is always faster if they need to change a supplier uh, the, the decision making process happens very quickly and uh, they are able to do that which which i generally feel is a little bit more difficult when it comes to a larger larger company for a larger company and i'm not just talking about my customers even the companies where i worked in creating a vendor itself is a huge mammoth task so if i have to have a new vendor in it's going to take two months for the vendor approval process to come in by which time a smaller company would have possibly already produced and supplied but yes they have access to tools they have muscles which with which with which they are able to hedge or do future uh, buying with smaller companies generally because they don't have that uh, buying uh, or that capacity to buy or those deep pockets they generally don't go in for future buying so obviously that disadvantage is always there but they're generally able to make quicker and faster decisions because red tapeism is lower uh, the processes are simpler, but when these companies become bigger, then they also evolve into different things. So uh, comparing a smaller company with a larger company uh, in terms of decision making, yes, it's faster in a smaller company. Uh, comparing in terms of technologies used, it's always uh, better in larger companies. Now, if you talk about uh, using technology, technologies are more or less the same. It's, it's, it's more or less like... Uh, somebody could be having access to prices through a database. Somebody would be having access to prices through relations. So how is the market moving? They'll possibly try and uh, get that data on their own. But I think uh, both know what will actually be able to pull their business together. Got it. I appreciate your answer. I mean, knowing all that is awesome. Uh, So considering trends such as that, so what are some of the ways data analysis can have a huge positive impact? Uh, and with the COVID pandemic we all just experienced and you spoke about earlier, so I'm sure more and more companies will see the relevance of forecasting and making future-proof plans. So iMark offers creative tools to, to its customers and partners as well that equip them with the right information they need, like the techno-economic feasibility report and you know things like that. So talk to us about some of the ways proper data analysis is beneficial to the supply chain of a business. Right, so uh, number one, like you rightly said, and we would all agree, a pro- proper data analysis lets you understand exactly how the market would be behaving in the future. So if it's supply chain, I know that the market will move in 
a particular direction and I could plan for it right now in advance because I know this is what might happen. Uh, it does happen like, for example, the pandemic was a peculiar uh, situation which no, nobody saw uh, coming till obviously late of 2019. So everybody, whether it be us or our customers, everybody's forecast went haywire. But it's over now. Uh, COVID, while yes, uh, uh, it's still there, but in terms of industries, we've learned how to move on with it. Car sales, which had stopped, are back on track. Uh, industries which had shut down are reviving again. And I guess by the end of this year, everything should get back to normal. We'll start learning with it. But at the same time, on a day-to-day day-to-day uh, uh, level, you need to understand exactly what is the data that will drive your business. Of course, nobody can predict that COVID will come in, but we all know that, uh, let's say, for example, a new industry is coming up or a new factory is coming up. And that is, these are the insights that we generally use when we are forecasting our own data. So like I, I told you in the beginning itself, we've got mathematical or statistical models that we use in order to make forecasts. Those forecasts are generally corrected. Now, as a layman, I'll think that the market is growing at 5%. Mm-hmm. And the market will keep going at 5%. So, and that's where my prices will also move. Now, uh, for example, the fertilizer industry. One of the biggest examples is the fertilizer industry. There's a, there is, uh, I'm not sure about right now, but till some time back, there was an acute shortage of phosphorus because China had decided that they will not allow phosphorus to move out of the country because of which phosphoric acid was facing a huge shortage. Had this already been uh, planned, and there were news articles already in advance, people could have been more proactive in trying to understand where else can I get uh, rock phosphate from, where else can I get yellow phosphorus from, and and or possibly hedge or buy in advance just to understand that, yes, these are things that would come. Uh, generally, we see a lot of people towards the end of the year, despite the fact there's been about three to four years now, at the end of the year, struggling for a lot of raw materials that comes in from China. We know that uh, every year at the end of, and our forecasts are always like, uh, if we have to forecast the prices towards the end of the year, October, November onwards, it will always be going up. And then uh, Jan, Feb, we will again bring the forecast down or we'll bring the prices or the uh, supply uh, would possibly increase. Mm-hmm. So these are data tools that we, uh, or the market insights, we've got people or most of the companies would have people or sources of data on ground in China, they would collect that data and give it. Uh, Supply chain managers are very good at their jobs. Production managers are very good at their jobs. Marketing guys are very good at our jobs. We know we are good at our jobs and this only helps them do their thing better. So, of course, data is data is a key to everything. Agreed. I mean, I agree with you. Data is the key for everything. Uh, So, Vishal, you spoke about uh, things like data modeling, financial research. Uh, There are also other things like country entry strategy, social and rural research and import export data that you've already talked about. So you can map about strategic blueprints for companies that consult you, that consult iMark. So how are some of the ways that you have handled uh, a swift changing data set? So, you know, I can imagine with due diligence, uh, you can maintain a pretty stable and reliable data set so that analysis is near perfect when you have a stable environment. Right. So, but what of when you operate in an environment such as pandemic, 
where there is lots of uncertainty, lots of fluctuations in terms of imports and exports. So what are some of the ways you would coast guard against failure and ensure that the data used in the analysis is still potent? Right. Now, uh, you are absolutely correct. Uh, and like I said earlier, when the pan we always used to be very confident about our forecasts. And we would say that uh, our forecast with a fluctuation of over 10%, if you uh, forecasted a price increase, it would increase. And uh, with all the customers that we've worked with. But that's generally on the short term. So there are two types of forecasts that we would generally do for a customer. One, which is a short term forecast, which would span to quarter on quarter for, let's say, the next two years. And the other, which a lot of customers demand, is a forecast which would be till 2030. Right. Yeah. So obviously the accuracy for a short term pro, uh, forecast is always higher and for a long term forecast, it will always be lower. Right. So uh, sitting now, we could possibly make a mathematical model and say that 2030, this is how things will behave. We would possibly know that these are the plans which are already in pipeline for additional supply. And uh, this is how it would go. But for short term, like uh, when the pandemic hit, we were making forecasts almost every month. So every month we would think that, OK, this is when the plants would open up, but there would be new restrictions that would come in. Because if you uh, remember when uh, the in India, when the Chantaka curfew was uh, uh, coming in, everybody had thought that possibly one week or two weeks is maximum that uh, supply chain would be disrupted. But that is something which went on for months together. It went on for three to four months. So we were actually changing our forecast every month, trying to come and uh, give a better forecast, try and collect more data on what is happening in the market. Then we started making our own forecast on what time will the peak in the country come at and how can we correlate that peak with uh, our own forecast. So because the first two months we were relying on government data, but OK, or the data that was coming from the market that it's a matter of two more weeks, it's a matter of three more weeks. But uh, sooner or later, we realized that it's a matter of a couple of more, more months. So we made our own model. So that's where you start doing the correlation uh, modeling. So we tried to make our own model in order to understand when would the country peak and when would it start declining at the current levels, which was more or less in line with the models that were coming in from IITs and IMs at that time. And then basis that we said, making our own forecast on a regular basis, which was being updated. Even today, if you see our website, it, uh, you'll still see a blink on it saying that all our reports are updated to COVID-19, right? Or the yes, market computer. So all the reports, even now, uh, till now, we've been updating, considering that, okay, 2020, this is how the market will behave. And most market research companies are pretty proactive in that. This is how the market will behave. This is what is going to happen in terms of whether it be supply chain or it's going, it will be in terms of demand. This is how the market would go down. And then we start making our forecast for the future years accordingly that this will be the recovery phase and this will be the normal. This is where it will norm, normalize and grow. But yes, uh, the frequency of forecast always increases when you are in a situation like this. And in my lifetime, this is possibly the second time that this has happened. The first time it was when the China blue sky policy had kicked in. Great, great. Uh, so as you said rightly, like it's better to have a plan than no plan at all when you're working in this kind of an uncertain environment. So with the diligence that you have embodied, I can see why your insights are so very pernicious to the ignorance of anyone listening, anyone listening to you, anyone listening to iMark, your reports and everything. 
the advanced technical tools that IMARC offers that is supported by other secondary research. So are there any similarities that's observable uh, across different sectors? So when considering a geographical location, cultures, and varying time zones, can a consumer, for example, in India, is said to be the same with the consumer market in the United States? I mean, if there are any variations, why do you feel so? I mean, if I'm talking about the purchasing pattern or supplying pattern or importing patterns. Right. So it's it's actually, uh, if we talk about uh, purchase managers, when we're talking about uh, uh, buyers, mm -hmm. buyers mostly think alike. So uh, whether it be a buyer in India or whether it be a buyer in the Western world, their thought process would be more or less similar. However, what I when we talk about developed markets, uh, especially Western Europe or uh, markets uh, like the U North America, basically, they rely heavily on data, which is coming in from even a small uh, a small family company would want to have a company like IMARC or our competitors that I'll not name in the show are uh, for obvious reasons again. So they would obviously want uh, somebody guiding them in terms of what is happening in the market or how the market forecast would happen. When we sell reports, now each our reports are not cheap. Our reports start at about 2 lakh rupees uh, in terms of Indian rupees. But we see people with gmail.com email IDs, people who have not even developed their websites and these are procurement managers again or uh, people in the supply chain buying our reports asking us questions that will it help me because i'm a buyer i'm and it's a very so one company that we're right now dealing with is a scandinavian company which makes industrial detergents a very small company a company in terms of turnover smaller than us right and they make these detergents which are only used for car washing so you've got those automated car washes so that is where they supply those detergents and they are right now working with us in terms of deciding a pricing strategy, uh, the strategy for their raw materials, which uh, they would be procuring from China and different places. We are helping them identify vendors. And at the same time, we are also helping them identify exactly. So supply on in terms of supply, uh, how the raw material would come in, what would be the taxes and how they would be able to save money compared to the local uh, surfactants that they've been buying currently. Currently, so we're working on an entire plan for them. Now, this is a company that is smaller than us, also, but they are interested and they know that the value of data. Now, if we talk in a similar way with a customer in India, we have, or again, uh, I, I will not just say India, but uh, more like countries in the beyond Eastern Europe. Uh, the first thing that comes in, why should I have to pay this? This is available on Google. Why should I actually have to pay for this data? But the fact is that we know what data is correct for you, or this is what we do in an hour. Even when I sleep and the customer gives me a problem, I start dreaming of solutions that, or that happens with most of my team members also. We start dreaming of solutions on what should we giving. So the, in terms of using data to the best of their benefits, the Western world is way, way, way uh, more evolved than us. And it's the same with Japan also, uh, the developed countries. I think we still have a long way to go. How to realize Absolutely. it. data. Absolutely rightly said. I mean, uh, right now we are still in a stage where we are still using the limited sources to analyze the market and, you know, go with the strategy without having uh, realized that how big companies work. So even if they are at a very startup stage, seed stage, they still value data. Right. And that's what we need to start implementing in India, because I feel India is a great market for for any of the products and you know, any of the services with the 
number of companies that have evolved in India. So it's it's a high time that they realize that the data driven decisions are really, really important to any company. That's actually the irony. Sorry to cut you there. That's actually the irony because talk about any company, KPMG, McKinsey, uh, iMark, or even our competitors, uh, the people uh, who are analyzing the data, I can bet 80% of them are based in India, in Gurgaon, in Bangalore, in Mumbai, in mm-hmm. Chennai. But even it, for us, about 80 to 90% of our revenue comes in uh, the form of dollars from the US or Europe. It's very rare, apart from one or two customers in India, it's very rare that an Indian company would actually, uh, or it's very difficult for an Indian company to actually make them realize that, okay, this is important for me. I think, yes, because the way the traditional businesses have flourished in the past. So they have thought that, you know, just because of analyzing with the limited sources, they can go ahead, which is not the new new uh, industry that they would be actually evolving in. Right. That's my perception. Uh, so so you, you've talked about the products and services provided by iMark covering major technological, scientific and economic developments in the industrial pharmaceuticals and high technology organizations. And in serving these industries, there's obviously a myriad number of factors to consider. So there are varying products of varying importance. So how much does supply chain vary across different industries or different sectors? So if I talk in that term, of course, uh, if we talk about different industries, industries which are more dependent on uh, products that is coming in from outside the country, like, like for example, if like if it's if it's the detergent industry, for example, or if it's the paint industry, for example, a lot of the lot of raw material actually gets imported into India from countries like China, like soda ash, sodium sulfate, uh, a lot of surfactants which are not manufactured in the country, and we are highly dependent upon the uh, biggest example right now, microchips, right? So if XUV five hundred has a waiting period of one and a half years, seven hundred, sorry, has a waiting yeah. period of one and a half years, that is because uh, mainly because of the microchips that they use. So every industry obviously has its challenges, but uh, industries which are more dependent upon the raw material coming from within the country have a competitive advantage compared to or even companies rather who uh, you know, like use hundred percent make in India, right? So they always have a competitive advantage compared to uh, the industries which are highly uh, reliant on products coming in from outside. So if you've got chips uh, which are coming in from outside, uh, the automotive industry will always be so. And that is why we've got. I was reading in the newspaper about a month back. We have about one million uh, cars which are still waiting people who are waiting for their cars to be delivered about a million people that is mainly because of the chips uh, shortage but if you have something which is quite simpler like for example the textile industry the textile industry uh never except for of course the sales went down because of covid but they were not facing a supply chain shortage they were actually sitting on tons and tons of raw material that they had to use and of course uh now things are getting back to normal the furniture industry for them it's a much easier process but and again, like I said, the industries that are reliant on, it's not about categorizing industry as an automotive or detergent or durables or anything. It's more about where is your raw material coming from? If it's coming locally, it's easier. If it's coming from outside, it becomes more difficult. If it's coming from within your city, it's even more easier. I mean, 
mean, very rightly said. I mean, that's very, very insightful. Thank you so much. So, so far, we have been able to cover germane subjects pertinent to the success of any supply chain. And it has been a very productive talk from what we've talked about so far. Uh, I understand there are focal pillars any business must endeavor to uphold if they want success. So there are core principles that covers a range of uh, sectors from agriculture, logistics, healthcare, financial services to retail, tech and construction. So what would you say is a crucial step to gathering accurate data for analysis? I mean, would it be employing just the technological and the ICT tools or actually doing the legwork the old fashioned way? So ICT tools obviously is something very important and uh, and it's like if, if you have ICT, uh, if you have tools coming in, like where you already have ready subscriptions and data is coming in and somebody else is doing the legwork on your behalf, you have mm -hmm. information coming in. Of course, AI cannot predict everything. Uh, a lot of people have now become reliant on AI that feed it data and it's going to give you the answers to what is going to happen in the market. It can't give everything because nobody can, uh, even AI cannot match with the human brain. So, of course, doing legwork and understanding what is actually happening in the market, data could be misleading. Somebody could be just uh, importing products in and hoarding it. Uh, the import-export data might be saying that. But the actual fact could be entirely different from that. So, obviously, ICT tools do help. But ICT tool, tools, like I said, we've got, we make forecasts based on uh, correlation models or regression models or time series forecast, but they have to be manually corrected either by doing the legwork or by gathering actual insights that are happening into the market to actually correct that data and give the right picture. Got it. So uh, in when you talk about the legwork uh, that you have to intervene in the AI models, so can a rookie understand this? I mean, does the process require any special training to be able to make the proper usage of data collected or some ways one could get a, get a better a data collection and analysis, especially when it has to do with supply chain management? So, of course, a rookie can understand this. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not it's not so it's it's it totally depends depends upon how the data is being presented to you and this is going back to your previous question on how do ICT tools manage now if we talk about ICT tools uh, if I say in more like if I talk about ICT I'll rather use the word visualization tools so when you have visualization tools uh, handy like Tableau Power BI Google uh, visualization tools so these tools actually uh, at the look or the click of a button there's tons and tons of data in the background, which has been collected, rendered, uh, corrected, and put in. The user, if I give you an Excel sheet with 10,000 rows of data in it, you will, as a rookie, probably, you'll just be scratching your head and thinking, why is, what am I going to do? First, the moment you open it, your laptop will say, what are you opening? <laughs> it will take an hour to do that. And then after that, you'll go line by line in order to understand that data. This is where uh, we come in or uh, and that is where we actually take that data, use the different types of tools and present it in a way that even when my son sees it, obviously it requires some amount of specialization, but even for my son, if he has a basic understanding of understanding graphs and seeing exactly what things are happening, he can look at that 10,000 lines of data in one shot and say, okay, this is what is happening. Analyzing it and implementing it, yes, you would need some amount of strategies and you would need strategy experts, but the basic things can always be done uh, with the help of uh, different tools, which helps people understand more easily. 
Great, great. I mean, that's really helpful for everyone listening that uh, though you have data sets with you, but you still need to have an expert advice on how to use the data. It's not just having the data, but how to use the data to make it more beneficial for your company. Uh, Vishal, you have like you worked in variety of clients from different countries, and it's true that always following the numbers will get you the clear pattern all the time. So have you ever landed where, you know, you weren't expecting what you, where you followed the normal data analysis procedures, or you would advise always to be always follow the numbers, especially considering the sensitive uh, sectors you operate in. Was there any change in the pattern that you use with any of the con uh, client from different countries? Uh, are you, uh, do you mean change in the pattern because of uh, different clients or are you saying change in the patterns because of uh, unforeseen foreseen circumstances it's uh the change in the pattern due to different clients maybe a client from india has another perspective a client from us has another perspective or so sometimes you know you have a standard procedure through which you make the analysis but all of a sudden you come up in a situation where okay the, the requirement is so different that you have to make a special analysis for that particular data set so obviously that's that's something it's not i would not say just by company to company or uh, country to country it actually varies a person to person as well somebody would want to see just one set of data coming in so for that purpose we already try or most market research companies again already try and uh put it into different slices and cuts so whatever suits you the best you can have a look at that like for example we are in the process of developing a portal called procurement resource right and uh, that port so uh, that portal has so in that portal we've actually put in a lot of slices uh, based on the feedback that we received from european customers and indian customers the uh, when we talk about european or american customers they would want to see much more insights on what is coming in since they have already had experience in using this kind of data in the past and i'm talking about uh, uh, customers even from the smaller sections right so if i'm talking about a unilever possibly a unilever india would be more critical on the data and they would want to see more cuts and get more explanations on it but if i'm talking about a mid-sized or a small size organization since the exposure has been enough to that kind of data like for example the example that i told you now this customer again which is smaller than us keeps coming back to us and tells us exactly what they want in terms of data for indian customer it's a lot of times it's easier to work with the smaller ones because for them it's the first experience uh, they've not had that kind of and they tell us okay you tell me what how should i use this data so those who have already taken it then we go back to them tell them that sir this is or ma'am this is where we are forecasting this is where the market is expected to move this is what will happen with the market and i think we think that you should already start planning your uh, imports right now because we expect that around this time there's going to be a shutdown in the factories and your prices will go up right those questions don't need to be answered to people over there let's say okay i see this is this and they come back and say have you given a forecast because china is going to increase electricity prices and we say yes that is the reason okay cool so but yeah explanations for uh they they are clear on what they're getting and in case if they don't see a cut they they know that this is but then that is mainly because they've already evolved they have been seeing this for a long time it's more like developed markets and we are still developing to that era correct correct uh so you've done like a lot of research in the other areas of supply chain so 
did you do something in terms of social research? I mean, if you could tell us about how does socio and socio-political climate of a region affect the ability of a company to carry out business? And what are the ways uh, proper data collection and analysis can help in circumventing these challenges? So obviously, if you talk about uh, socio-economic conditions, it has a huge impact on countries. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work, especially in the Latin American region, region in terms of trying to understand the market and set up a, a, a team over there as well in, uh, who would be able to help us get better insights uh, from the market and help our North American customers because of that time zone as well. Now, uh, we all know that Venezuela has a lot of sanctions on it, the economic sanctions. And uh, despite the fact that it produces a lot of fuel, uh, crude oil, nobody buys from them. And, uh, the, and still, there are hardly anyone who buys from them. It's always difficult to do business with them. So the kind of uh, economics that the country is in, the kind of political environment that is there, there will always be uh, impacts in terms of supply chain movement. There'll always, uh, you cannot export directly. Even when we were setting up a normal bank account, we had to give a declaration that, okay, uh, Venezuela, uh, Iran, and Syria, and these are the companies that we will not do business with. These are the companies that we will not be supplying to. So, in those cases, you always need to have a third country. For example, India, Pakistan, right? In, uh, there are a lot of industries in Pakistan which are highly reliant on countries on uh, the situation on suppliers from India. Uh, and vice versa, the same thing is with uh, uh, companies in India because we also buy a lot of stuff from Pakistan. But because of the political uh, thing that's been going on ever since we became independent, the country that gains out of it is Dubai. So companies then work out a strategy, look for a third neutral country from where both of them can trade together and they will start using that. But it does not have a major impact on data because data still remains the same. Our data would be designed in a way that where we will actually have to see the first uh, country from where the source is coming in. You would have a trading partner in between, which would possibly be Dubai in this case. But uh, the data still remains the same because we know, uh, because they also know how to source the material and we also help the customers that okay this is possibly one way that you can go around with it got it so i truly appreciate vishal um thank you for taking out the time to sit with us and discuss these issues they have been incredibly insightful and i hope to have you back on the podcast again sometime in the future and uh, guys, all our listeners, you can reach out to Vishal and check out their website and what they do at iMark. And the company's website is www.imarkgroup.com. You can check him out personally on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. The links are going to be attached below. Uh, Vishal, do you have any final words for our listeners who are listening? No, it was actually an awesome experience to be here on the podcast. And of course, thank you so much, Poonam, for having me here. You are a wonderful orator. And it was amazing. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Like if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, uh, it's Vishal Ranjan. It's very simple to find on LinkedIn. Exactly. We are going to have all the links uh, where you can easily reach out to Vishal. We are going to be putting that below our uh, podcast and you can check out that. Next week, we have another very special guest coming on our show with so much information on supply chain and logistics. We will have a giveaway for our listeners who would be with us for the whole month. Uh, we have a supply chain spot mug awaiting to be dispatched. Please stay tuned, stay connected, 
and you can win a supply chain spot mark. Until then, take care, stay safe, Jai Hind.